0: Hello, welcome to The Daily Cron for Friday, March 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Stephen Tolton. Can you believe this is episode 50? I've done 50 of these since the beginning of the year. Uh, I can hardly believe it myself. But for today, for the big 5-0, I'm going to talk a little bit about Captain Marvel. Uh, I actually saw that movie last night on opening night. I rarely see movies on opening night because I have adulting to do. But I did. My friend of mine got us tickets to a reasonable hour of a show at a theater near me. A new theater, actually, so it was a really nice digital screen and I... Got got myself a bourbon, very civilized, and the leather chairs and assigned seating, and I could lean back. Now we were in the the front row, you know, in a theater that was not even close to full, by the way, but we were in the front row, so things were slightly distorted, but it still, you know, was was perfectly, you know, visually reasonable. <clears throat> uh, so I got to see that last night, and and uh, if you care about my thoughts, here they are. I would say Captain Marvel was a frustrating movie for me. It has some good moments of banter between the characters. It has amazing de-aging CGI. It has one, one and a half, really decent to good fight sequences. It has a killer soundtrack, but it's marred by some terrible editing, especially on nearly incomprehensible fight sequences. Its pacing is way off. Its visual effects struggle to define what the hell Marvel's powers actually are. And perhaps most frustrating all for me was Brie Larson's performance comes off as very wooden, while the rest of the cast is actually, you know, much better. <clears throat> the rest of the performances are, they range from pretty much acceptable, good, to even great when it comes to Sam Jackson, who is, you know, really, uh, honestly, far more entertaining in this movie than, than, you know, Brie Larson is for most of it, you know. The, the story itself is not particularly compelling, though I do think that the twist they have on the Scroll Invasion plotline was a good choice. I think it came a little bit out of left field due to the poor editing and pacing, but it's a, it was a good choice, and, I, and it leads to not only an explanation of why Captain Marvel's not around, but I think it allows them to either ignore or reintroduce the scroll later in ways that you may not expect. The There are continuity errors in this movie which are kind of indicate to me some sloppiness in its execution. Uh, I, you know, like, like for instance, one obvious one jumped out at me was, there's a scene where she, where, uh, Carol Dammers is still in her, her uniform, like, the green uniform you see in the trailers, and then uh, she's gonna steal <laughs> she's gonna, like, steal micro- uh, a, a motorcycle in order to get to the next part of the plot, and and so, you see her she's dressed like that, and then you see the, the, the there's the motorcycle, and then she's gonna go, and then you see her driving away on the motorcycle, dressed in grunge, and you're like where's her where's her uniform with the giant boots and like the like the like the rubber outfit like where is it exactly later on then she changes back into it later and you're like where how, where' has she kept it like if they at least i mean maybe it's in there and I just missed it because I'm like all the way up front, but usually they had have like a token scene like maybe she she grabbed some clothes and then went into a a bathroom or something but I don't remember that happening. I just saw it last night uh in fact, she was standing outside at the moment this all happened, so I'm kind of trying to wonder if. If, if Captain Marvel just kind of stripped naked out in the middle of the summer daytime in front of a store and just kind of changing the clothes and then grabbed someone's motorcycle and hotwired it. And like, like, I don't know how any of it happened because it just kind of cuts from, Oh, there's a motorcycle. And then to, I'm fully clothed in completely different clothing and I'm driving away. And she didn't even have a backpack with her. So I, you know, it's like, that's just one continuity error. Um, <clears throat> most of my, I, I guess are probably pretty minor, but that one, that one really took me out of it for a second. Like what is happening? Uh, you know what's actually really cool about this movie? Probably the most, uh, probably the most, you know, interesting, but the, the, the most, uh, uncanny thing about this movie is not the de-aging CGI, which is actually really great. Once you see Sam Jackson de-aged, you'll forget about it for most of the movie, and it just look like a younger Sam Jackson. But what's uncanny is the fact that in the first part of the movie, when she's in in 90s, uh, you know, America here, there's all these people walking around without staring down at their iPhones. It's just weird. Like it just demonstrates how how much our lives have changed in such a short period of time. You look at a movie that takes place in like 1995 or something, which is honestly not all that long ago. I mean, I remember it. I'm I'm not really old. I remember uh, 95. I was a kid, and then and you know people are walking around without looking down at their phones, like on public transit. They're not looking on their phones. There's like paper newspapers, like just weird. <laughs> Coming from 2019, it looks weird because we're all normally, norm, you know, stuck looking at our phones. I think if uh, aliens actually came and, and looked at us right now, they would think that our phones were, like, extensions of our bodies. But uh, anyway, that was actually the most uncanny thing. It immediately jumped out at me how different it was, and that 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 sense of nostalgia of the 90s actually uh, works pretty well for the, the first act, and then they basically drop it for the rest of the movie, so, it, you know, not so great anymore. There's still moments throughout the movie where they're, they're referencing music, especially from that era technology from that era and they make for some of the more humorous nostalgic scenes or moments I would say they're not really complete scenes they're like moments and sometimes often background moments a lot of easter eggs for the 90s easter eggs for mcu stuff uh especially some especially really good easter eggs for uh the mcu movies you know so pay attention I I mean they'll be very obvious when you see them I think uh oh (laughs) let's talk about a little bit about the um the um the The cameo, um, this the Stan cameo. Uh, I usually, uh, I usually hate those cameos. Okay. Uh, I usually find them to be the Stanley cameos to be really annoying and off putting and everything. But this one, nope, this one has literally the most singular perfect cameo I have ever seen. Like it's just. A wonderful send off because as much as I hate the cameos in most of the Marvel movies, uh I love Stanley. I think we all love Stanley. And this was I think the perfect send-off for him, really. It was it was a it's not it doesn't it's not a long cameo or anything and it's not like a it's just it's just a really well well done, funny cameo. And if you remember the nineties, if you were there especially, it just works on multiple levels and it is uh great. So I really like that cameo. Uh, so there you go. I said it. I don't I don't hate all things <laughs> all things cameo. I like I like that one. Thought that was really good. Uh so the uh rest of this uh explanation of this movie, I would say there's no coherent visual design to this film. That's a big issue. Uh aside from the moments of nostalgic nineties-ness, there's no there's no particular look. Like if you remember other Marvel movies, especially something more recent like Ragnarok, which is a very distinct look. Everything in that movie is distinctive and interesting. Nothing in this movie is. Uh, it's very bland, kind of browns and muddy interiors with poor lighting. And the special effects are also very uh, vague and very similar looking. Like, the everything's kind of just okay. Nothing stands out, you know? Shot compositions are very basic. Very, very basic. I don't, I can't remember a single interesting uh, shot really. Even the action sequences that aren't fighting sequences, like action sequences with ships and all, very, very boring. Very standard. Uh, not a lot of interesting angles are used. Again, lighting on the set design is not particularly interesting either. They could have done a lot with the lighting because they move between uh, in different environments, but they don't do a lot of interesting stuff with it. I mean, I think they kind of try it points but it doesn't really work and especially disappointing on the alien ships because you'd think they'd be more interesting but they all kind of blend together in my mind so and and then of course the confusing action beats that are just incomprehensible fight sequences because everybody looks the same and all the effects look the same and they're cutting real fast with close-ups of the characters and you don't know what's happening most of the time uh so that's a big problem Ultimately, I'll say that this is a middle-of-the-pack Marvel movie. It's more akin to, like, a phase one, I said, than a phase three or four. It lacks really memorable moments for me, or real excitement, frankly. I put it right more of the low middle end. Uh, it, it's better than, like, a Thor 2. Um, probably even better than, like, an Iron Man 2, maybe. It depends on how much you bank on the performance of, of um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, in that one, because you don't have the equivalent performance here. So I so I think it's right there in the like the middle somewhere of Marvel movies. It's serviceable, it does its job. Uh it has but it doesn't have, it doesn't do anything, It doesn't take any risks. That's the thing. It takes no risks at all. This is the most by the numbers uh Marvel movie I've seen in years. However, its mid-credit scene is good. Uh the the one that connects to the next Avengers movies. Good, actually. The end credit scene is uh, you know, obvious, but I think it's a little bit inspired because it, it actually it's funny, uh, you know, it's kind of funny if, if they, that type of humor works for you, but it's it also connects into, uh, as an Easter egg for the MCU, which is pretty funny, it, like, explains a little plot hole <laughs> that you may have wondered about uh, by that point in the movie especially. So that's cool. Uh, and, you know, if you see this movie, and I think of course you will, you'll definitely find enjoyable moments. There are enjoyable moments. The banter is good. Uh, I think Brie Larson's performance, while wooden overall does improve as the movie goes along uh i think even though the visual effects are not they i think they struggle a bit to define things they're still not bad they're not terrible and especially the de-aging cgi is great there are some fun action sequences they're just kind of fewer and far between than i would expect uh the movie's pacing doesn't do it any favors uh, it's music I found great. If you like 90s era music, music there's a ton of Easter eggs for the fans of MCU or of, you know, just the 90s in general too. Tons of Easter eggs in this movie to check out. Probably not nearly as many as in Thor, but Thor Ragnarok, but there's still some good ones. Uh, so you're definitely gonna, you definitely have an enjoyable time, but let me put it this way. For me, this just for me, I left the last Thor movie like Ragnarok, I was smiling ear to ear. I was rehashing multiple amazing and hilarious moments in that movie in my head when I left the theater, I was thinking about that movie for like days. I was like, that is an amazing movie. Love that movie. And you think about that movie was uh, actually a super dark movie. If you think about the plot of that movie was incredibly dark. Like how many countless people died in that movie? And like, and Asgard was destroyed, and Thor lost an eye. And like, he became his people became refugees, he lost his hammer. It was like, that was dark movie, if you think about the plot. And yet, It was hilarious to watch, and that juxtaposition made it interesting and risky to do it that way. Uh, Not to mention all the Hulk stuff in there, which probably gives it an unfair advantage because, you know, everybody loves the Hulk. This movie doesn't have that. Because it takes place in the 90s, it has Sam Jackson, who is great, but he's not by himself, like, uh, enough. His character is not, at least at this point, especially in the Marvel Universe, he's not larger than life. He can't bring in that kind of really interesting, over-the-top stuff that you could get in something like Thor Ragnarok just because those characters were so big and uh, and you know over the top uh maybe because it takes place in the 90s because it's introducing a character like this uh it 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 has a f- more of a grounded feel to it uh and like like an earlier Iron Man movie and that could have worked too like, it doesn't didn't have to be over the top like Thor did but it, I I think there's moments in here where you see a tone that could have been great if it was taken throughout the entire movie, but it just doesn't quite stick the landing. It doesn't quite know what type of movie it wants to be sometimes. It doesn't quite know what tone it wants to take. vacillating between somewhat goofy, kind of Ragnarok-esque type of action sequences to, like, in the beginning especially to, you know, more very somber serious, you know, inner reflections of the character to, like, interpersonal relationship building that kind of doesn't quite work, uh has some characters that are, you know, funnier than other characters, you know, it's it's just kind of all over the place. But uh so I left Ragnarok really smiling, but this one I, I left the movie kind of struggling to remember anything of note about it. So I actually wrote down some notes immediately upon getting home, because it, it just kind of slips the mind. Uh, and, you know, ultimately though I think that's okay. Because this the character of of Captain Marvel is a cool character for sure, and I think I'm not going to write off Brie Larson's performance uh, from one at one movie because it could have been a lot of things. Like it, it reminded me of a, of a not not nearly as bad, but it kind of reminded me of Mark Wahlberg in the the Happening, where where his performance was just so terrible and you were confused as to why anyone would choose to act that way, and you're like, well, that must have been direction or something because Mark Wahlberg's not that bad this case, Ree Larson is nowhere near as bad as Mark Wahlberg and and happening to be clear. But it gave me that kind of impression like something broke down here in the development of this movie and communicating maybe like how this character was supposed to be acting, or like where she was or like, like something broke down here, direction or, or choices, something just didn't quite work. But that's okay because most of this movie you're seeing a version of captain marvel that's not the fully formed version. And yes, even the fully formed version I found to be not what I was hoping for, you barely see the fully formed version of her of her character here. I mean, really this is a big long setup. This, this movie only exists as filler primarily, right? And exists to as introduce you to captain marvel so you can hopefully understand who this character is when she drops into the Avengers Endgame movie so they don't have to spend a lot of time explaining her background. Honestly, I think that's why it is. I mean, I, I, they're gonna have to do something in that movie because they can't just like assume you've seen this movie. Although they probably like technically could assume, but that's not good movie making. Uh, however, the you know, I, I think that's primarily why it's here. It's it introducing you to the character who is probably gonna be a, a major factor in the Endgame movie, and you know, and 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 that's fine. And so I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh. I have some hope that thing, that that this character will get better as it goes along. I mean, after all, let's let's look at Thor again, as I bring up a lot. Ragnarok is so different from the first Thor movie. The character changed so much. The performance improved so much over time. I mean, can you imagine, like how you know they, when when Thor first came out, no, everyone thought it was you know it was like is this even going to work? And anyone going to care? Uh, and that performance, you know, was not the best uh, in that first movie. Uh, and the character wasn't that interesting, I would say. The performance was not bad, but the character wasn't really, you know, the character didn't gel, I think, until later on, especially in the Avengers. And, it, you know, and now, you know, the version of Thor we have today in the MCU is is quite different and changed and evolved. And I think the same thing is what we're going to see with, with uh, Captain Marvel, and Carol Dangers, where her character here may not be uh, the most interesting version of this character for a lot of, uh, of viewers. But uh, it has the foundation there, even if not executed as well as they could have. has a good foundation uh, for this character going forward, and I really am looking forward to see what they do with the character and what Pre Larson brings to the performance in Endgame, because I feel like her character, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, you're getting a hint of a much more, uh, you know, confident and, and serious and interesting character, and dropping her into the environment of Endgame, where you literally have the worst thing that's ever happened in the universe. <laughs> you know, like, the stakes could not be higher, and I think there we have a chance for Captain Marvel to really shine. If Because uh, I honestly feel like the stakes in this movie just are never really there, you know, for the most part. They're never, at least not for the audience, it's, there's just never, there's never anything b- big enough to challenge the you know, Captain Marvel and make an interesting story. But whereas you have Thanos and you have, you know, the, the snapping the results of the snapping, and I'm sure that she's probably lost people as well by by that point. And so I, I really think that there's a good chance that Captain Marvel's gonna come into her own in endgame. And this movie will just be kind of a footnote that we don't really watch anymore, you know, like we never really watch <laughs> Thor two. <laughs> But you know, it'll be there if you need a re—you know—you need a a refresher of her origin story or something. But uh, overall, though, you're gonna you're gonna see this movie regardless of what I say, regardless of what anyone says, and that's fine. It has good moments. You will have some—you'll en- have enjoyment of it. Some people are gonna love it. Um, if you're, especially if you're less like focused on the filmmaking technical issues with the movie, uh, you're gonna love it. You're, you're gonna like it anyway. It has and as I said has good, enjoyable moments, and you're definitely gonna wanna sit around for the both of the end credit sequences, the mid the middle one and the and the final one. Because they're they're cool too. Uh so that's it. That was my long ish kind of rambling-ish, because that's all I ever do on this podcast is ramble. But that's my kind of review of Captain Marvel. If I had to give it like a rating, I don't know, four or five or six out of ten, somewhere right in the middle, depending on your particular preferences. I liked it. I didn't love it. I'm really looking forward to where the character goes in the future, so don't at me, okay? <laughs> Everybody can have an opinion. It's okay if you love this movie. It's really okay. Totally fine if you love this movie. Totally fine if you visually hate this movie. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion about it. I am not getting involved in that ridiculous uh, ridiculous conflict about this movie. So I, uh, I'm just going to say, you know, that's my view of it. Middle of the road. Liked it. Didn't love it. Looking forward to the future. And the future actually looks pretty bright. I mean, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this character and you know changes the dynamics of the future Marvel movies. Because I, I I have a feeling that they're going to make Captain Marvel the defi- defining character. Because in the, in the comics, you know, she's a big deal, and she you know ran sword or whatever, and and so I, I would see her as as being a. She's not going to. Re- uh, she doesn't replace Iron Man in terms of. Like the technical abilities, uh, making stuff and whatever. There's other characters for that, but I think she might take up like the role of Captain America at, at post Endgame. Like I could totally see her doing that. Uh, she definitely has the colors for it, you know, and she has the, um, you know, she potentially has the she has the leadership abilities, and so I think that's where they're going to place her somewhere around there. I think she's going to take up a big leadership role in the Avengers in the future. But don't don't mark my words or anything, because I have no idea. I'm just guessing here, so that's it. that's it for my movie. Go see Captain Marvel yourself form your own opinion and uh but most importantly, just have a good time because you know let's not take these movies too seriously. They are after all just forms of entertainment and ways for for disney ways for Disney to make you know billions of dollars. so let's like keep things in perspective <laughs> but uh hopefully you have a good uh good weekend seeing whatever movie or doing whatever you're gonna do this weekend.